1: this is john dorsey co-executive producer of superhuman public radio and the voice of ethan schwartz i wanted to talk to you about a new sponsor of spr the series is called the white vault a horror audio drama set in a remote arctic outpost and the records of the team sent to repair the station now if you're fans of hp lovecraft's at the mountains of madness this show is for you now, this series is complete, so if you're looking for something with a definitive N, check them out today. Find them on your favorite podcasting app or at thewhitevault.com. Now, onto the show.
2: This is SPR.
3: Spark Industries' stock dropped by nearly 65% following the announcement that CEO Vincent Spark was in fact vigilante superhero metal monger. The board has fired him and are seeking criminal charges, including embezzlement.
2: That was Wenling Chen reporting from SPR Detroit.
4: From SPR News in Washington, I'm Deirdre Wilson. A meteor headed for Earth has been deflected at the last moment by Force Major. NASA apologized for the late notice of the apocalypse-sized asteroid, saying,
0: The
1: reality is that space is just so very, very,
4: very big. Surprise asteroids could strike at literally any moment without us seeing it. Just out of nowhere.
3: The president's cutbacks to the space defense program. We're basically out here using binoculars. Thank goodness for Force Major. And dumb luck.
2: That was Deirdre Wilson reporting from Washington. It's 72 degrees here in Paradise City. And now, These American Supers.
1: With QSPZ Baltimore, it's These American Supers. I'm... Ethan Schwartz, back from my two-week vacation. It's been a couple months since we first ran our story about henching in the gig economy, but we wanted to update you on our lead, Tim. Tim, whose real name is Harold Harrison, lost his case against the state of Arizona. The judge threw the book at him, charging him with felony henching, making his crime a villainous act. We caught up with him at Saguaro Superhuman Prison. They give you your uniform, your new shoes, check your, you know contraband. Honestly, it was a lot like signing up for Croc Command. Saguaro is infamous among villains, and it's 50-year history no one has broken out of it. Yeah, I've never been so scared in my life. They just shove you in and tell you not to eat the fish. I mean, it's Arizona and prison, so yeah, the fish is never going to be good. But uh, I thought I'd do my time in a normal prison, not one with laser bars. So how is it? It's great. Great? Yeah. I mean, the facility's falling apart and the guards treat us like cattle, but the guys here are awesome. We do yoga every morning, lift weights. I'm a part of a D&D game that meets twice a week. Man, I've always wanted to play D&D. Tim left shortly thereafter to join his cellmate, Toejammer, for Shakespeare Night. In the spirit of our friend Harold, we give you the theme of today's episode. Sympathy for the Devil, Stories from the Other Side of Justice. Her tale today is told in two acts. Act 1, House Mom. Producer Ellen Spiegel has the story.
5: I like to think of them as my boys. After all, I made their lunches, mended their clothes. But yes, I guess most people would call them a death squad. For 30 years, Ruth Gainström has been shopper, cook,
0: and house mom to some of the most sinister forces in the world.
5: Everybody eats. That's what my mom used to say. She had a boarding house in the Bronx, and we used to get all types. And I say the same thing when people ask, how could you work for the Green
0: Venom? Ruth lived a quiet suburban life until her husband died, leaving her with a mortgage and in desperate need of work.
5: One day, I see this ad in the newspaper, looking for some excitement, strong domestic skills. The Venom wants you. I was 55 with no kids, and I thought to myself, I don't think I've ever done anything exciting before in my life, so I went in for an interview. And just like that, she was
0: working for one of the largest terrorist organizations in the world.
5: I'd been working for a real estate mogul at the time, so the transition was pretty easy. There was a lot of travel, which I liked, but it was after they took those UN delegates hostage back in 98, that it started to feel like I was doing something important. When Palladium put Venom in jail, I just kept working for villains. It was good money, and I always found them just a little more polite than the heroes I'd met. It was like being an undercover celebrity. I'd be at a Costco buying 400 eggs when I think I was just in a laboratory watching a bear get fused with a scorpion. And here I am in public just being
3: little old Ruth.
0: (laughs) Soon, other villains took notice and began to hire house moms of their own. Some would kidnap them from local retirement communities. A few reanimated them from local graveyards. Villains wanted a mom, and they would stop at nothing to get one. But there was no one like Ruth.
5: Sundays, we'd have these big meals for the whole gang. That's important to me, getting everyone together. And after a while, some of the other kids would show up. Stanley the henchperson was a regular fixture. Dr. Riot would pop in around 5 some weeks just to share resources, but he'd stay for dinner. Whenever I made my special stuffed man it looked like the Council of Evil was in town. And they'd bring old ripped capes or burnt clothes. I wouldn't make a fuss, but they come away with them patched and clean, and maybe, they were lucky, a muffin.
0: Many henchmen have found working for villains carries a social stigma, but Ruth never let
5: it bother her. People say, oh, they're evil, they need to be defeated. Ha! <laughs> don't know my boys like I do. They see the mask and the robots and the monsters. People don't see them crying because their giant robot got destroyed or heartbroken because the country rejects their leadership. I do. I'm the one wiping glowing tears from their faces. Even so-called villains need a mom. That's what I am. Ruth has been called in front of grand
0: juries a whopping 28 times in the last 30 years, but has refused to testify against any of her employers. Every time she has said,
5: I will never tell on my boys.
0: Ruth is now retired and living in Caracas, Venezuela.
1: That was Ellen Spiegel. We'll be back for Act Two. That's in a minute, after the news.
0: Support for SPR comes from Lackey. Do you dream about being your own boss, setting your own hours with competitive pay? Henching could be right for you. Being a henchman isn't about serving others, it's about serving yourself. With Lackey, you can pick your villain and your job. Want to drive? Drive. Want to work with your hands? Bring your boxing gloves. Want excitement? We paint houses. Lackey is about empowering you to reach your full potential. Learn why henching with Lackey is a better alternative to an office job or other henching apps. Lackey, henching made easy.
4: Live from SBR News in Washington, I'm Deirdre Wilson. Facing substantial pressure from the White House, the Heroic Legion has agreed to comply with Homeland Security requests for information they have on aliens living in America. The move has been criticized by Legion members, stating this goes against their charter, while Legion leader Iron Barracuda insists they are just following the law.
2: That was Deirdre Wilson reporting from Washington. It's 74 degrees here in Paradise City, and now back to These American Supers. Act 2.
1: No stopping us now. What happens when a villain has the perfect plan for holding the world hostage? Producer Haley Fraun has the story. Dr. Insano is a name that many West Coasters may remember from his 1993 attempt to activate the Yellowstone Supervolcano.
6: The hardest part about holding the world hostage is that sooner or later you have to tell everyone you're doing it. That's when you find out how good you really are.
1: He speaks to us from the Heroic Legion Reformation Center in an undisclosed location. It's not
6: hard building a doomsday machine. My God, most people these days have a hard time not destroying the Earth. The issue isn't building the machine. It's how do you keep it safe from someone like Cosmos. That's what keeps you up at night.
1: We really came close, there, didn't we? Phobos Marina, Dr. Insano's longtime assistant. There was this
3: energy at the time when the countdown clock went live that maybe <laughs> just this once we don't know what no one else had.
6: It was spring of 1991, I think. I was driving. All my best schemes come to me while I'm driving. Oh, I miss it. The radio had denounced Heroic Legion was instituting a one-hero policy. Keep heroes off each other's toes. Human selfishness. They want a territory, a brand. You could just tell that this was the window. Because what it meant for villains is that you could effectively choose your nemesis.
3: I remember the doctor said, we are going to Wyoming. And I thought, Wyoming has a thick bedrock, bitter winters, inhospitable mountains. There was a lot to work with, it was exciting. I took about 18 months to build the lair. Design was my specialty. I have a doctorate in structural engineering from Cambridge, or I would have if I hadn't incinerated the thesis committee.
6: Wyoming at the time had just one hero leapfrog a child doing the work of a man and why not what happens in Wyoming
3: (laughs) we set a devious trap for leapfrog i put on a wig and called for help leapfrog came bounding up and i hit him in the head with a baseball bat bam child's play as the team loaded the boy into a cage the doctor and i shared this look it was the moment we realized we're really doing this
6: The hero was imprisoned and sedated for three days before we went live. The machine's failsafe for all checking out. The countdown clock ticking down. That's when I made the speech.
3: The doctor went on the PA system in the control room and he said it. He actually really said it. Nothing can stop us now. NOTHING CAN STOP US NOW!
6: (laughs) Ah. Uh. And I believed it, too. I didn't know how right I was.
3: I remember sitting by his side in the control room on the phone, waiting for our grand Cayman account to register the transfer of funds. Finger over the abort button. I couldn't stop smiling. It was the biggest thing any of us had ever been a part of. It was like being a part of history.
6: But then, no money. We had but 10 minutes left on the clock, and still. So there we were. Big drill, payload intact, alarms quiet.
3: Everyone checked in. No money. And we all
6: just got quiet.
3: We were watching the turn of the screw as the drill wrapped up, and one of our henchmen, Stan, I think, he said something like, I guess they choose death. And suddenly, it wasn't so funny anymore.
6: My men, and women, of course, they were all looking at me. And I saw that there were those that would do it. An amazing team. But am I a zealot? No. We just wanted money. We would die
3: first. We knew that going in, of course. Academically. They had to pay. They had to. Otherwise, the entire earth would be choked by ash. Plants would die. Nations would freeze and starve. The countdown clock it under one. And still no ransom. It was weird. We were all holding our breath like someone is going to stop us, right? Then the doctor. He put a hand on my shoulder and that was it.
6: We have made the case, of course, that I saved the day. After all, who powered down the drill? Huh? So what happened next? The government, of course, gave themselves a huge pat on the back, so smug and self-assured. I think that's why I decided the Grand Teton had to go. I mean, we were there anyway, we had the explosives. Makes you wonder, though, how close we've all come. If, If I was in a worse mood, how could they know? How could they really know? Now that's what keeps me up at night.
1: Dr. Insano's therapists have gone on record saying he's made tremendous progress at the rehabilitation center, leading meditation on Tuesdays. It was Haley Fraun, reporting from an undisclosed location. That's our show. A special thanks to the Heroic Legion for allowing us access to Dr. Insano. And of course, before we publish our episodes, we always ask ourselves,
3: Someone is going to stop us, right?
1: We'll be back soon with more of these American supers.
4: Live from SBR News in Washington, I'm Deirdre Wilson. Two young and power teens were caught stealing the St. Louis Arch early this afternoon, but it has since been returned. The city has yet to decide if it's going to press charges stating... <coughs> Stand by, we have breaking news. It's been reported that the president has been shot while giving a speech to the National ISM Conference in Cleveland. SBR reporter Wenling Chen is on the scene. Thank you,
3: Deidre. Moments ago, three shots rung out in the hall and the president collapsed to the ground. As he was being escorted out by the Secret Service, his face seemed to shift between several different personas. Shift? How? Can you elaborate? I would be speculating. But my guess is the president has unconfirmed superhuman abilities,
4: or it's something else entirely. Has the assassin been caught? He remains at large. Stay safe, Wenling. We will keep you updated as this story develops.
2: That was Deirdre Wilson reporting from Washington. Today's show was written and produced by John Dorsey and Maximilian Clark. With additional producing by Brendan Sokler and Carla Lerner. This episode features the talents of... Caitlin Chang. Carla Lerner-Montero, Connor Maroney, Danielle Cohn, Janice Clark, John Dorsey, Molly Downs, Patrick Harvey, Sarah Allen, Sophie Bushwick, Soren Kissel, Tiffany Clifton, and the SPR Players. With special thanks to Hunter Shelburne and Renna Kaline. The SPR main theme was composed by Rock Lee. Other themes were composed by Steven Munoz. SPR is directed and edited by Maximilian Clark. SPR is supported by listeners like you. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review. You can also support SPR by heading to patreon.com and looking up Superhuman Public Radio. Patrons get access to ad-free episodes, interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. For more, head to superhumanpublicradio.com. Coming up in the next hour, it's 10 hours of Beethoven as played by the Helsinki Hyperspeed Orchestra. This is SPR.
0: Falling Network, where fiction producers flourish.
1: The world has still ended. Darcy was a cafeteria worker. Do you see that minotaur sitting out in the food court? Mm -hmm. What minotaur? Just an ordinary everyday
6: human,
0: probably.
1: Egerton, you didn't even need a fairy cake. Why did but, you eat a fairy cake? Because I
0: stress eat sometimes. Egerton was a PR flack for the imperial government. This extremely devastating explosion was, in fact, a celebration. He's a flightless fairy with a
1: sweet
2: tooth. There were some zombies, but Blatt blew them up. I climbed a tree. And we're Blatt, skipping ahead, uh, and we're skipping we're, ahead. Oh,
1: yeah. Blat used to be a filing clerk. I'll pneumatic tube it up, sir. Now he's discovering the secrets of his half-demon heritage, like his ability to summon a soul-bound weapon. Oh,
6: yeah here to destroy time, eh? We'll eat bazooka!
1: <laughs> three normal dweebs, rescued from the end of the world,
6: and sent on a last-ditch quest to save all of reality. There is a way to stop the shattering, but we need you three. The end of time and Other Bothers,
0: an improvised fantasy role-playing game set in the world of Alba Salix. Find it in your favorite podcast app, or visit otherbothers.com.
6: There's no evil, so
0: you're welcome. Flawless logic. Oh, boy.